Welcome to the 865 Elite Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Saha. Today's guest is Coach Lauren Sumsky from Lipscomb University. Lauren was a big-time player and has developed a great reputation as an up-and-comer in the coaching profession. Coach, how are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for taking the time to jump on. Hey, man, I appreciate anything for you. Thank you. How's practice going so far in the season? Man, we, uh, we've had two really condensed stretches of games here where we played like six games in, gosh, maybe uh, 12 days. And then we turned around and played four and eight. So we've really challenged our kids. They've had some breaks in between, but we're really excited. Finals. Gave them off today and tomorrow, and then we'll get back to it Friday. So we're, we're excited. We're excited about the progress our team has made this year, but obviously got a long way to go. That's awesome. So you've been at Lipscomb now for a few years. Yeah. How has recruiting changed for you now that you guys are kind of getting settled? Gosh, uh, everyone knows, obviously, COVID changed everything for everyone. Uh, we're able to do it a little bit differently than we have in the past. We've learned to really take advantage of video services and things like that to – uh, you know, stay on top of young women and how they're progressing. But gosh, it, it's really just like the availability. I don't think young people really understand that because of COVID, because of the bonus year and all this stuff that really all the way through the class of like 26, there's very limited scholarship opportunities available at every level. Like if you watch Division Two basketball, it's better than it's ever been uh, because I think that there's so many people, you know, occupying scholarships that uh, talent is more spread out than it has been in the past. Um, and and really what we're, we're seeing is uh, people making their decisions earlier. We're done with our 23 class. We're done with our 24 class right now. We're making great progress with 25s. When and when I first got here, we, we had no, we were going like a year at a time. We really couldn't yeah. get too far ahead of that. But the, the limited offerings combined with uh, they're really changing the way we can evaluate, especially in the summers. And the number of recruiting days we have, it you just have to be more intentional, more purposeful a lot earlier than I think you had to be. Um, now I think you have to be earlier. Those opportunities aren't going to be there um, because yeah. you're seeing ladies take their fifth and sixth year. And gosh, we've even had the opportunity to have like a seventh year. We just decided like, hey, we're going to let her ride and do her thing. Uh, you know, it's time to grow up here. But there, yeah. you see that a lot. We played um, 10 games so far. First two games, I think we saw players that, it's our teams that had uh, three or four sixth years. So we're playing against literally like 24-year-olds. How crazy is that? Oh, gosh. We we played um, three games ago. I can tell you. I can't remember who it was. Was it? I, I, I'll remember in a second, of course. But yeah. their starting lineup. Oh, San Diego. There it is. Their starting lineup. All sixth years. Wow. How crazy is that? Five, five, and the rest of their team is deep too. So it's just more competitive, and, and but less opportunity. So we just advise young people like, hey, when you start figuring out what you want, what's important to you, start really narrowing down, get on campuses as soon as you can. I'm not saying rush your decisions or anything like that, but be open and have transparent conversations with coaches, your family about where you are, what you want, where, ask them, you know, where do they see you? Uh, because these days, a lot of young women are just getting lost in the shuffle of it all. <clears throat> Like, how important is it to surround yourself with people where you don't get 
lost in the shuffle and you get advised on really what to do the proper way? It is the most important thing. I think that recruiting is the hardest part of what we do as coaches at the college level. And I think it's also the hardest part for young people because young people don't know who they are. They don't know what they want yet. I really think they don't really start putting those things together, solidify those things. So they're 25 and they should be like long and gone from college. Yeah. As coaches, you know, we're adults who we're trying to make our teams better and by bringing in talent, but we're dealing with young people who don't know who they are exactly yet, what they want. Uh, and we're all trying to meet and figure out what it is that's going to be the best fit. And what we've seen a lot is best fit and best opportunity, quote unquote, like those things get confused a lot. And it really all comes back to what you say, your circle, like, ah. We, I can't tell you the number of young ladies we've seen in the portal these days that have transferred two and three and four times. It's becoming more and more regular where you, you, you used to see transfers, yeah, but never more than once. Now it's commonplace um, for us to see people who've transferred, again, three and four times because they're not getting good advice or either they're not listening to the advice that's good yeah. for them. And it just comes down to, you want people going to tell you the truth. Um and and so much of that is hard because the truth hurts. I think this generation compared to our generation, they get they get a lot more information from a lot of different places. They have, you know, uh, coaches telling them they're great. They have trainers telling them they're great. They have parents, friends. Everything's on social media. Everything's broadcast where they get all this good, 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 good feedback. So the second they get feedback that's maybe not ideal or not what they want to hear, they just shut it down and they shut the person out. When oftentimes that's the person who cares about you the most. Yeah. Um, it's done their homework and they spent the most time with you about those things. Um, gosh, I committed really early in like eighth grade, way too early. And if I could do it all over again, I would, and just things I've learned, truth tellers figured out who knows me better than myself. And a lot of times it's going to be your parents, but then your parents have to be in line with knowing who you are really and what's best for you and not what's best for their ego, what's best for their social media post, or what's best for this thing that doesn't matter because I think worse than not going to the right place is not going to the right place and sitting yeah. for you know, your entire career. I think it's obvious young people want to play. So they need to go places where they can play. And most of them want to play right away. So usually that's not your highest or quote unquote best offer. Usually that's somewhere in the middle or the bottom from a outside perspective. But um, there's more parity in basketball too that's making it more competitive all across you know different landscapes. So anyway, rambling a little bit, my bad. But the circle is the most important thing. People are gonna look you in the face and tell you like, hey, you know, you need to work on this, or hey, you know what, this isn't a good fit for you because you can't handle this situation, or hey, this is what we know about you right here. You need to be in a situation where this specific thing can happen. And those are the young people we end up usually seeing thriving pretty early. And those are people who've been told the truth their whole life, though. It's not usually just at the very end of their process. Yeah, I think that's probably the hardest thing, especially in like the grassroots now is yeah. a lot of the people involved really aren't in it for right. the kids where they're going to push their own agenda instead of oh, yeah. finding that right fit for the kid. Yeah, they have that pressure of, you know what, if I don't have a certain number of kids that go to X amount of level, I'm going to miss out on kids next year. And a lot of times that's how you know people are paying their bills. So it's just really hard when the financial piece is involved. And to some degree, there's investment of parents into this, you know, summer programs and things like that. So they want something out of it. And uh, there's investment on the program directors and, and all those things. So it's just a lot of hard where 
you're trying to get to the, the fact of the matter. And that's like, who is the kid? You know, the funny thing, I'll tell you this, Ryan, one of the things we ask kids in recruiting, we, we might be crazy with this. We ask him like, well, did you get a spanking growing up? And we've learned the kids who got spankings and like discipline growing up, maybe not whatever, but the kids who got that, those are usually some of our most coachable kids because they've been told no from an early, you know, uh, standpoint and they've had to adjust and, and, and become more tough and become more resilient. But the kids have been told, you're great, you're great, you're great. They kind of hit that first piece of adversity. They shut down. And those ends up, those end up being the ones in the portal, probably a little prematurely even yeah. um, because they don't know who they are. They don't know how to handle hard stuff. So the first time that it, it comes, they kind of panic and look for another feel good. And what we try to teach kids more than anything is life doesn't feel good. So if I'm lying to you, I'm not preparing you for life after this. And yeah. I think that as hard as it is, is, is more coaches and program directors and things like that. And parents even start looking through with those lens, like, hey, I'm protecting the, my kid. I'm protecting this kid as opposed to making them feel good. I think we'll see a, um, you know more decisions that are probably aimed towards better fit earlier. Yeah. <clears throat> Have you found that it's harder the last few years to tell kids, like especially freshmen, the truth without having them hit that freshman wall and just shut down? Yeah. No, you know, we're different. I we just tell them straight up, like this is who we are. We're we we can not sugarcoat it. We we can't care about making you feel good. Like that doesn't mean we don't love our kids. We're not there for them. We don't support them and encourage them. Yeah. But we have to, they have to be able to tell the truth and, and hear the truth to play for us. Or they're just going to be miserable. We don't know how to do it any other way, but we have learned a lot in recruiting. Sometimes we'll talk to kids and we'll give them feedback. And the ones that shut down, we usually fall off those kids and realize those kids aren't going to be happy here. They're not going to be fit here. Um, if we can't give them, you know, constructive feedback and then respond in any court, uh, kind of way. So we've seen a lot of that hitting that wall, but more so in recruiting, not necessarily, uh, you know, obviously in our program, but I think they get, they get told all stuff they need to work on all the way up until they get here. So yeah. uh, we uh, we don't give them any of that feel-good stuff. They they get the feel-good stuff from each other, you know. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. What about, like, when you're recruiting, like, how, like, what's the, like, in terms of, like, the people you want? Mm. Is winning, like, the most important thing? Like, you want a kid that wins at high school and in AAU? Or, what? like, what are the things you look for that are at the top of your list? Winning is never going to be the most important thing, but it is important for us. Like we we can't say we want to, you know, win a sun championship, a conference championship, if we have kids that have never worked hard towards winning something. Yeah. And I think in the high school level, like don't get me wrong, there are different leagues, different divisions, all kinds of things. I get that talent is different, but we want kids to at least led to more winning as time has gone on in their programs, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, number one for us is always going to be character. We, and I know that sounds really cliche. And I know a lot of people throw that around, but really serious about it. We think you cannot be a part of our, our family, our collective whole, if it has to be about you all the time. So selfishness is like not going to work here. We have people who talk about like, Oh, I got to get my numbers or, Oh, you know, coach, I can't, you know, I, I need this special room apart from the rest of my teammates. And also like those kids don't come here. We don't want those kids. Uh, and, we, and with that, we want those kids who are tough and resilient and who are going to be honest and have you know good integrity and be just genuinely good people. Like, yeah, that's, that's always going to matter. But then outside of that, it's competitiveness. And I think that has to do with winning too. Like, do you compete in everything you do? Like, are, are you the person who, you know what, like if we're doing a handwriting contest, you're trying to beat me. Because I think that how you do anything is how you do everything. Now, 
that we have a couple kids who are not competitive in anything other than basketball. Like we'll play dodgeball as a team sometimes, Ryan. We have kids who want no part of it. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? But we'll kill you on the floor. And I mean like a dog on the yeah. on the court when it matters. So we try to eliminate <clears throat> stuff like that. But we want people who want to win. So like the winning piece is always going to be a big piece for us. And then obviously skill IQ. I do think that a lot of what is missed, especially at the high school level, and this is across all ranges, is there's some prerequisite skills and pre- prerequisite like abilities you have to have for certain levels of play like to be effective and uh you know for example like you know division one you there's a level of athleticism you have to be able to guard another division one player you yeah. know no matter what kind of system you run offensively you have to be able to guard whatever position you're, you're trying to play yeah. and I think a lot of times you know we hear about all these prolific scores you can't guard anybody and their coaches are upset with it. Like, I don't understand why you want to take this kid. I'm like, well, that kid is a defensive liability. She'll never not be a defensive liability. Like, she's missing some basic lateral quickness stuff. And, like, yeah, that sucks. But the truth, yeah. you know, some people don't want to hear that. Nowadays, <clears throat> you cannot have a kid who can't score. And I'm not saying they have to be a kid who gives you 25 a night, but they have to be able to make an open shot and stuff like that. So that's changed. I think, like, 10 years ago, you can have some defensive kids who all they did was come out and defend and pressure and whatever and trap and whatever. And you can hide them and you just have them defend the other team's best player. These, these days, the game has come too far. Um, offenses have really developed where, like, you need five people on your team who can make a shot and make a layup, you know? Yep. So, um, anyways, there are just some basic prerequisites where, like, you know, if you want to play at the power five level, there's a certain body build you probably need. There's a certain strength level that you need. There's a certain, um, you know, length that you need. There's a certain fast switch element that you need. And, like, everybody doesn't have that. And I think that's the hard thing for, you know, parents and prospects to realize, like, you know what, I have different set of God-given abilities that I can't control, and that may limit me in where I can go, but that's not a bad thing. You just yeah. be the best for where you can be, you know, like, and, and just having that awareness about, like, what I what I have, what I don't have, what I'm good at, what I can improve at, and what I'm bad at. I think knowing those things makes it so easy, but it, it is hard, you know, and I think a lot of times it is hard to look at a young person in the face and say, hey, you're five, six, and you can't shoot. So that automatically cuts in half, you know, the places where we can look yeah. for you. That's a hard conversation to have, but I think it makes them better in the long run. Yeah. What about the kids that are like the late bloomers, right? Because there's always yeah. a few of those. Like yeah. how, how, like how do they catch your eye? Like if you're at an event in April yeah. and that kid is not on your list, like what are some of the things where you're like, I got to keep following up on this kid? Oh, great question. Um, you don't see as many late bloomers as in women's basketball as you see in men's basketball. But we're seeing now, though, are there are more of those kids that have just been off of the radar because they haven't played AU in a while yeah. or summer ball because of COVID. And, and maybe it's like the financial stretch on their family. Maybe it's just, you know, not feeling safe, whatever. But we've seen a couple kids who just caught our eye out of nowhere. And it turns out they just never played, you know, travel ball before. But the way that they stand out to us is, gosh, like, you know, can they defend? We know in summer ball like you there's a billion people jacking shots we're not really looking for this detailed offense or anything like that we're looking for like hey what decisions do you make with the ball like do, do your mechanics look good not do you make every shot but the kids that really step out stand out to us it's like okay they're really defending they're playing crazy hard they're making their teammates better whether that's like their energy that they bring or stuff like that so we we have seen a couple of those glue kids maybe in the last three years, we've seen one kid who we didn't know about who like was just a baller and scoring a billion points yeah. and that was able to like translate out of nowhere. Most of the time, it's, it's those other, you know, more so intangible things that makes a kid jump out at us. 
and then maybe we keep watching them and then they're like, oh, wow, they can do these things. And we follow them up in high school and like, oh, wow, they're a way better offensive player than maybe we thought based off of, you know, them having a different role in a different team. Yeah. So, like, when you're out at these events, like, I remember, like, you know, there was – it seemed like coaches gravitated towards certain styles. Like, there's always some programs that – I mean, it was just pickup. Yeah. It was hard to tell, but being able to see those kids, like – yeah. I mean, you don't have to run Princeton in it, but like, yeah. you know, you want to be able to see those kids run stuff and not have to get, you know, like overcoached because you have some yeah. teams that every single possession is the set. Yeah, we we like seeing, like you said, a happy medium. We want to know, can you play in a structure? Uh, you know, like, how, can you survive in a system if you don't get a touch every time or if you don't get a shot every shot attempt every time? And then sometimes kids will get exposed. What? Oh, goodness, they like – they've been with the same team all summer and it's, you know, July. Why are you blowing up the sets? Like, why are you the only person who doesn't know where to go? And we'll cross those kids off our list to be transparent with you. We're like, listen, yeah. you can't run a set now. You're not gonna be able to run it uh, later. But then, yes, you said, then there's that other extreme of like, we see kids who are robots and we're like, Oh no, we want to see you in some more free situations. So we'll invite those kids to camp and see, you know, like how are they when they have to just survive, pick up basketball, you know, that's not structured at all. And yeah, and, you know, can they assert themselves, things like that. So um, it, it is different, though, because back in the day, there used to be more like tournament style events where you actually like progress to win a championship and you had to compete with all these teams. Now it's more pool play yeah. style. So it's it's a little bit harder uh, to see as many people as you would normally see, um, which I know sounds a little different because everyone's playing at the same times and stuff yeah. like that. So you do learn like, hey, this program is good. They're known for running stuff and and mm. we have gaps and people were not, they are already on our radar. We'll follow those really good programs because we know like, hey, those kids are going to know how to play. Those kids are going to be good teammates. Those kids are going to execute. Those kids are going to be competitive in every game. They're not going to just show up and, you know, try to get through. They don't, they're not just here because, you know, somebody's making them, they want to be here, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, and a lot of times we have found kids just because of their program. Um, and, and not even expecting to see anything. We're just sitting in on a, a program that we know about. Yeah. <clears throat> Have you guys, I know sometimes, like in the tournament style, like when a team gets knocked off and yeah. I like the kid, like I'll go watch that game when he, you know, that really doesn't mean anything just to, yeah. just to kind of see like, is the kid competitive or not? Cause yes. it's like you said, you can't turn it on and off. Yeah. We, we'll do that all the time. That consolation game when nobody's there, that 8 a.m. game. We like those the best, like the 8 a.m. games, you know, the 9 p.m. games. Like, we want to see what you're about when you're tired. We want to see what you're about when you played your fourth day in a row and you're playing in this game that's meaningless and you're about to get on the road and drive somewhere else. Uh, we want to know, you know, what you're about, uh, you know, what maybe when you're hurt or you're banged up or you haven't had the tournament you thought you'd have and you realize coaches aren't sitting in on you. So I can't tell you the amount of times, Ryan, that we'll be watching a kid on a different court just so they don't know that we're watching them. Because obviously the way it's set up these days, being coaches or parents account, they're, they're taking pictures of baselines, all that stuff. Like there's, you, you can't sneak up on anybody. But if we stand or, or if we sit at a different place, we realize like we can really see how they warm up. We can see how they are on the bench. We can learn a lot more about who they really are um, in, in those situations where they kind of have some adversity to them or, or they don't think anyone's looking. When – when kids are going through the recruiting process, like what advice would you have for them to really, you know, we've talked about the right fit, but like what yeah. kind of 
questions or what would you do to make sure like they're going to the right fit for them, not just the highest level? Yeah, I think it starts with their circle. And I'm old school and I'm a little biased now. But I think you they need to look at the person in their life that has a lot invested but the least to lose. And I think that ends up being the high school coach. Nine times out of 10. High school coach has known them for X amount of time and spent time with them for a billion days of the year, you know, uh, over the course of the years. And at the end of the day, the high school coach's job isn't hanging on them going to school A or school B. They don't care. Most times they just want their kid to be happy and find a good fit. Then I would encourage the high school coach to really make some genuine relationships with some coaches and solicit genuine feedback, but not in a sensitive way. Like, Hey, I know, you know, Sally Sue may be your girl. She may play hard for you. She may have been really good, you know, um, player the last two years for you as a freshman and a sophomore, but you have to be willing to hear from, you know, college coach A, like Sally Sue sucks at this. Sally yeah. Sue, I think she's at this level. Sally Sue, I think she's at this level. And I think that protects the kid who isn't ready to hear that feedback, maybe directly from a coach yet, but also it gives the high school coach a chance to help aim I think from that feedback you start to aim figure out all right what it is that you want like some people are good in cities some people aren't some people are good I mean you know bigger class sizes some people aren't you know and I hate the cliche of you know find somewhere that you would go when you weren't playing basketball because at the end of the day we all know that most of these student athletes are making their decision based off of their sport right but I think the thing that we're seeing is higher injury rates at all these levels so you do want to find a spot where you can like survive if you're yeah. missing time for your sport from an injury, because we're seeing a lot of that too. We're seeing a lot of people transferring at times when they're injured because they realize, oh, I actually don't like the school at all. If I'm not playing and I'm pulling myself away from my teammates because I'm hurt and I don't know how to function, you know, when I'm not in the middle of it as much as, you know, whatever. So I do think there's an element of that. Find a place where you can be happy if you're hurt, Like Maybe not if you're, you know, not playing all this stuff, but maybe if you're hurt, yeah. right? And I think from there, I think ask coaches straight up, coach, where do I fall on your list? Am I, and you know, an A person at this level, am I a B person at this level? You know, when do you think you'll be making a decision on offering or not? And it's funny because a lot of college coaches aren't used to that. So the first time they hear that, they might kind of stumble over their words and panic a little bit and say, oh, oh, let me call the head coach and make sure, you know, but I think it shows the coach that they're about their business. I think it helps the prospect to make great decisions without wasting time because yeah in resources because at the end of the day these are unofficial visits they cost parents money they got whatever so i think as long as you get straight to the nitty-gritty like and you can handle that feedback i think those kids end up being happiest healthiest long term too because they're going in with a very realistic expectation and view of what's really going to happen and then from that point it's on the coaches to like the college coaches excuse me to paint a fair picture for them yeah and just deal with whatever comes from that. No, that's good. Last question for you is when the kids get to school for like skill development, like what are the things that you're doing now that the kids have to improve a lot on to be able to ready to play as a freshman? Fundamentals, it, like defense from like everything from closeouts to sitting in the stands to boxing out and rebounding offensively. You wouldn't believe a lot of it is stance. A lot of it is, you know, where they place the ball you know, in their pocket. A lot of it is ball handling, finishing through contact. Obviously, you have to be able to shoot these days of play. So it's really, really fundamental stuff. I mean, we spend the first, gosh, I think we spent five weeks together during summer, five weeks 
literally we don't put anything in it's just all fundamentals trying to get everybody to a baseline yeah i'm just seeing kids coming a little bit behind and, and that's fair i mean i get it like it's harder um so from that point all the only other thing we're caring about is how competitive they are we're coaching their competitiveness and their toughness and we try to make it as many things head to head as possible so that you know you get exposed if you know my teammate who's a junior is better than me right now as a freshman i know that but we try to keep them hungry and not complacent in that so yeah those are things they need to be able to do and it's and then really the biggest thing that translates is that they can be working on with trainers and stuff like that is decision making. We see a lot of people who can put their head down and have a ball <laughs> all day and look great in a drill. And you put them in uh, a vantage situation and have no clue what to do. They're overloaded. Yeah. So I tell kids all the time, play as much pickup as you can play with guys. We know like, yes, historically girls have not played a ton of pickup. That's fine. If you can find pickup with girls, do it. If you can find them with other college teams, do it. But play as much as you can. Play two on two. Play three on three. Play four on four. Five on five. Literally, play pickup football. Even like I don't care. Like all yeah. those things help you to learn how to make decisions and be competitive in times where you don't have a chance to sulk or something. But like, but while you're playing pickup, like try to get better. I think a lot of kids go in and like, oh, I'm a shooter, so I'm only going to shoot the whole time. It's like, no, work on your, you know, drive game. Work on your defensive game. Work on your passing game. All those things in that. So it's so funny you said that because we just got back from a fifth and sixth grade tournament in Rock Hill. Yeah. And you watch like, you know, like the home team you're coaching and other teams yeah. and decision making, like if it's a three on two, a lot of the times they don't know how to like react. And yeah, like you're right. It's a lot of decision making. It is. And I think it's tough because obviously, you know, high school coaches carry a load. Then you see middle school coaches carrying a big load. And I think we're seeing less and less at the elementary school level because they're not playing those positions the same way that they used to and I feel bad for those you know people um you know who are coming up with that or either we're seeing the counterpart of it where it's like you have young really really young coaches who just kind of had the fundamentals so they never really had to teach them they were just taught them so we're kind of like that gap so I'm just trying to find a balance but yes I, I think gosh if I had any advice for young kids too if you're going to a trainer great like work on your skills but make sure in your sessions you're playing against somebody whether it's playing one-on-one -on -one against your trainer or or, you know, you're getting a group together and on Sundays, y'all just play pickup, whatever. But all those yeah. drills do not translate if you cannot apply those skills in competition. So I think sometimes, you know what, if you have to choose between uh, our skill workout and, you know, pick, I would say, you know what, do your 30 minutes of skill and then do 30 minutes of playing. Like go to the park, play random dudes, get a, hook, a hoop, play random guys in your neighborhood, whatever. But play, 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 play. Yeah. That's really a big difference we're seeing in people who are able to come right in as freshmen and impact the game. They just are hoopers who play as much as they possibly can. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I appreciate the time, Coach. Yeah. I appreciate you always. Thanks for listening to the 865 Elite Podcast. We will see you next week.